If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the radio. Oh, no. Yes, the radio or the, the, your iPhones or whatever instrument you're using to download the show, as Bob would say. Bob is not here again this episode, so Mike Catherine, very kindly sitting in. Thank you, My sir. pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, back by popular demand, Taylor Williamson. Hi, everybody. Oh, yeah. Taylor yeah. Yeah, Taylor Thanks Williams. for having me again. The audience loves it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and uh, give us your, your CV. <laughs> my CV. <laughs> I I know what that stands for again. Um, I'm a comedian. Uh, I was on America's Got Talent, and then I lost. And, and current, then, uh, where people find your social media now? Uh, at Taylor Comedy. There you go. And uh, Eddie Ifs doppelganger. Is that a thing? You look like a healthier Eddie Ift. Very healthier? Much healthier. Yeah. Yeah, much healthier. Really? But he's all like uh, fit and stuff. He is. He's Mr. Workout Guy, but he's also... And he's an animal. I'm so flattered by this. It's a very odd thing to be flattered by, but I'm like, cool. It is. Eddie's, by the way, one of the nicest guys. Oh, Eddie's awesome. Yeah. I love, he and his wife, who they just had a lovely, yep. beautiful child. They do. In fact, uh, this week, I believe, is the celebration of the end of the uh, Talking S podcast that he started. Oh, I think 500 episodes. Wow. This, is, this will be 500 in their final one. With, no kidding. With the bus? No, that, now they're starting the new one, which is the Bingle Bus podcast. Where no, they, I did. I filmed some stuff on the Bingle Bus for yeah. him. Uh, it was fun. Really fun. That's cool. Yeah, so we'll see if that airs or whatever. Okay, well, uh, we're going to get into a little Chris Cornell. We're going to have uh, Fair Abraham's biological father in here, Michael. When uh, He actually pulled me aside after one of the reunions and said, I'd like to tell more of the story of this family. And I said, well, fine, we'll have you, have you over in this life. But uh, right now, I want to bring in Jason Zambrano. Jason, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. How you doing? And, Hi, Dr. Drew. Uh, hey, man. The, Jason is the brains behind something I think is just a, a, one of our sponsors, and I just think a brilliant, brilliant idea which is the Integrity Care Card. Uh, tell people what that is and how, people got, how you came up with that idea. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Uh, well, you know, I'm in, in recovery, uh, like a lot of people that come on your show. And uh, I remember when I first got into uh, treatment, my sister, um, who was kind of like my mom, she, uh, she wanted to help, you know. But I had, I had proven that there was no way <laughs> I could be trusted with uh, money or uh, gift cards or anything like that. And she said, Jay, you know, I want to help you, but I really don't want to give you the $50 that kills you. And, uh, you know, really hit my heart. And, uh, that's where it started. You know, I have a, um, you know, as I, I got more sober, I started thinking that there's gotta be a better way that we can help addicts and alcoholics that are, you know, in PHP, IOP or going to sober living without, uh, enabling them. And, um, I was in the merchant service business and I started to get in the prepaid world and I thought I'd marry the, you know, recovery uh, aspect of it along with what my business was. So I uh, brought a prepaid program into uh, into my office that uh, helps addicts and alcoholics in early recovery. Um, parents can fund their card uh, responsibly. Um, you know, there's some cool blocks on it, like they can't go to uh, liquor stores, bars. Um, they can't get cash. Uh, no money transfers. ATM. 
even even tattoo parlors and things like that, you know, troubled areas. So right. uh, a parent can fund their card and kind of feel that they're doing the right thing and not giving them anything that they can uh, do something bad with. I think it's a brilliant idea. It's, a fa- it's an absolutely so, fantastic so idea. So often I, I'm faced with people going, we don't want to enable them. And I'm saying, yeah, but I, they're, they're, they're working hard right now and they need some, this. They need food or whatever. And they're like, no, yeah, no, no. We, you know, necessities. Yeah. And yeah. just to put the life back together. I mean, think oh, of transportation or whatever I, I, it may be. So many times I'm saying to parents, like, hey, yes, when they're when they're disease, right, reject them. But they're in their recovery. You want to support it. And this lets you sort of step in a stepwise fashion, yeah. sort of move into supporting their recovery. Can can they can it uh, purchase things like Uber and, and Lyft and things like that? So, you know, get, get them to work and back? Can, and they can go to meetings. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, yeah, they sure can. And it and it. You know, you guys know just as well as I do, if somebody has the obsession, come on them, and you want to really go out and use. I mean, you know, this isn't an end-all product. What it gives sure. is like a cognitive break. You know, if it's difficult for them to go do what they really want to do, maybe they'll make a better choice. You know, call their sponsor, uh, call their treatment center, their halfway house manager or parent, and maybe uh, turn something around, you know? No, it's, well, it's structure. Yeah. It's structure, which is what yeah. people need early on. And I, I know for me, you know, speaking personally, um, I think this is a great idea because just I, when I got clean and hopefully for the rest of my life, by the grace of God, I was, I was a young guy. And I was still in the, in the window would it, when it would be acceptable for my parents to kind of financially support me a little bit and help yeah. me get back on my feet. Yeah. And it was always really um, embarrassing and kind of denigrating for me to kind of have to do that weird dance where I'd go ask my parents for – yeah. 20 bucks here, 40 bucks there. And also, I mean, I was past the age where they're just going to give me a MasterCard. You know, so the, it's having something to kind of bridge the gap. The debit card. Is yeah, a, is a can, really, it, yeah. legitimately such a beautiful idea because they, you can get away from that weird, strange dance that my dad and I had to Listen, do. Listen, it, 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 it occurs to me, Jason, that this is also, I don't know if you're constructing it this way, but this would be just a great thing for parents generally. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's three types, right, that always come into treatment. You have the parent or loved one that says, listen, I am done. I want nothing to do with them anymore. And you're on your own, kid. And then you got the second type, which is, you know, please help my son or daughter. You guys know better than me. I just want them to get better. And then you have the third type, and which you find more, a lot more of that are they want to know every single thing that's going on with their child at yeah. every point of every second of every day, right? Oh, you've yeah. worked in recovery. <laughs> no, no. This is just my experience from this card. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, it works for all three. Yeah, you, know, you can have somebody who's forty-five come in and get this, and you can you can appease the parents at any um, whatever their feelings are, and give them a responsible way to give. How do you navigate around things like um, pot dispensaries? You know, because now that is a legal established business in this country. Um, is there problems in certain states where that might be? Uh, you know, not not it might meet a loophole where they can use it the card there. No, that one's actually an easy one. What, what the loophole is right now is like I live in Florida mm-hmm. and you can actually walk into a Publix and you can buy liquor, right? So the only software that's out there that uh, block the actual liquor purchase is EBT. And that is a uh, um, federally funded program. So um, although I have my foot in the door, you know, they're not so will- willing to give that up yet. However, like I said, it's not, it's not an end all product. I'm sure we'll run into more, um, you know, things that we have to overcome, but I mean, the pot dispensaries, they're all registered. They have an MIC number and the card will just decline. 
My my mom gave me a car like this that only works at Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> but but the idea I use of, it all the time. But Responsibly sourced food. Yeah. Is all you can but buy. the idea of having cards that help loved ones and parents especially control or structure the way it's being allocated. Yeah. I think that's tremendous. Of course. Tremendous. It's to me it's sort of technology at its best. So goes through the whole the whole recovery process right it works just like a bank account if they want to uh, rent a car later on we can make that happen they can have a savings account they can pay bills online even later on six months eight months nine months the parents want to help we can issue them a credit card to help them build credit listen one of the things we're dealing with a lot these days particularly the millennial age is getting them sort of Life skills, you know, yeah. Fi- yeah. managing yeah. their finances and things, having a job, transportation, that sort of stuff. And this is a nice and – and we've I've been trying to think of a way to they, – they're so engaged with their phone and the technology that they don't really value anything else. So this is, this is that perfect marriage. So good for you, Jason. Well, well done. Thank you for sharing this with us. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Guys. All right, Jason Thank Brown. You, is there a website or anything you like people to go to off the bat if they want to read more about sure. it or hear more about yeah. it? Yeah, it's uh, integritycarecard.us. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media. And, uh, again, it's integritycarecard.us. Hope and we'll have, a, we'll have a banner up on my website at com. So, all right, Jason, I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great all right. day. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye. Yeah, the, we're trying to – we were. Just trying to come up with technologies that uh, you know help kids, you know, the millennials. I, there's still more to be done on that front. Uh, somebody I, I forget who I was talking to was saying they want to have a whole program because they're just that's the world they more attached to than the the interpersonal one. So we got to get them over to the interpersonal world. I think I'm a millennial. Should I be offended by this? Am no, I, it's just a matter of fact. Well, you I'm think not, I can't take care of myself? What? what no, no, no. Care, take care of yourself. What You're defines? Totally You're right, though. Actually, I'm disconnected <laughs> and I can't take care of myself. What defines millennial? How old do you have to be? I think uh, it's like 18 to 30 or something. Roughly, yeah, okay. that's about right. All right. I, I think, uh, yeah, that's about. Right. I think, I think the current graduating senior is about the end of it. I, I sort of, I can tell there's a new group coming. Well, what do they become? I, they're calling them Z or something. I, who knows? You know what the hell? I mean, you know how messed up these kids are. This is like the, the least of the things to be worried about. But it, uh, it's interesting. My friend uh, created some show on like YouTube Red. You know, so they hire these YouTuber kids, so like who are just teenagers, like mm-hmm. super millennials, and like uh, to act because they want people to watch them. And they're in the they have an elevator scene. They're supposed to act awkward, just act nervous and uncomfortable. You're in an elevator and you don't know what to do. These kids don't know how to be weirdos anymore because they're so they don't have awkward moments because they just take out their phone when they're nervous. Yeah, right. When they're at a party, they're not just walking around being like, "Oh God, mm-hmm. life is hard." They take out their phone. Yes. So they don't feel the feelings. I mean, I feel like they're missing out on. What do they do in this elevator? They just pick up their phone. They, they didn't well, that's what, what else they, they do? don't. They, they, the point is, uh, that they didn't even have bad. They're, they don't know how to act. Like, oh, they didn't even know what it is. Yeah. Oh. That's general general uncomfortableness, general suffering. You know, like you talk about ordinary it's now, misery. It's now it's now blended. It, Taylor brings up a very good point. It's now transferred over even into just kind of sitting in your own thoughts. That doesn't exist anymore. You know, mm-hmm. now you have a supercomputer in your pocket. Mm-hmm. They also uh, the craziest thing about millennials is that boys don't want pussy. <laughs> well, there's this whole thing now called. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life because uh, I, I couldn't imagine being more consumed with anything than I was. <laughs> With getting laid at at you know thirteen through twenty one, it's, it's actually not not only is there because they're busy with their porn and stuff that they're not as engaged with women because they're tough you know it's difficult sort of how they look at it. There's now a group who are committing. It's called going their own way or something. It's got a, it's got an acronym like TGOW or whatever. Yeah, uh, guys who go their own way. I think it's called something yeah. like that. What does that mean? Go their own way. Like no women. 
Like asexual. Nope, because they see prostitutes once in a while. They just won't have relationships. I went to a brothel last week. Oh, yeah, that's th- right. For like a thing. I don't know if that's worth talking <laughs> about. Why on earth was Susan like in <laughs> yeah, why, does she, why does she know <laughs> that's he right? Him? That's, I posted a, a picture. And what happened? I, was a I filmed like a – because I'm trying uh, desperately to have a thing to talk about besides America's Got Talent. You know, I'm very grateful yeah. in case anyone's listening. Where <laughs> was Simon this? In the fan. U.S.? Yeah, and uh, the, the, the Mustang Ranch. Oh, oh Re- uh, D- Nevada. Dennis – Dennis, yeah, I met know. the guy, the good guy, and uh, off. Uh, off. So, just a fascinating uh, like experience. Like, I feel like I filmed like a goofy travel show, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Hey, hey, we're all done filming." Like, "Oh, surprise, we're going to brothel." And I'm like, ha, "Ha ha ha!" Did you pick a girl? Well, the, even that was weird. every part of it was weird. I felt guilty picking a girl. You feel like, bad for the rest of them? Yeah, like that was weird. <laughs> like I seriously, because like, I know they're gonna edit it. I was just like, who wants to do this next part of this thing? I I am the horniest, grossest guy ever, and I bent over backwards to get laid, and I had sex with way more people than I should have, and lots of girls that I wouldn't like. I genuinely didn't even want to be around them, but I just want. <laughs> but <laughs> but I cannot imagine paying for sex. I, I know that may sound crazy. I yeah, can't imagine. You, did, just you don't, don't have to. There are guys that have to. No, that's not true. There was a. There was especially at a time when I when I got separated from my wife. And, and but then my, you didn't want to anymore. What do you mean? Then you were depressed. Yeah, but I still want to fuck. Okay. I still beat off like crazy. Um, <laughs> but I just couldn't imagine someone having sex with me that didn't personally want to. But this, like, I have to pay you to have sex with me. Oh, I, I see. I, like, at least yeah. if I had a one night stand, I went to a bar and met a girl or yeah. something. At least I knew that some, at least some part of her wanted to yeah, do that. She wasn't you know what I'm saying? Some, yeah, it wasn't. Exploited, I, I just couldn't so, ever. I could never get through, yeah. like, break the barrier for a a, a paid sexual service. Yeah. But they make you feel like they want to. Like, uh, they like. I've not like. I'm it almost makes it worse for me. <laughs> Same with a strip club. That's why I don't like strip clubs. Well, right? I'm sh- I've never been to a strip club. Have you ever talked to them after they get out of the business? See, that's the thing. When they're in Wait a second. Right. Let's p- pause. Drew. He's never been to a strip club. You've never been to a strip club, but you went and got a hooker. <laughs> right. But that's I, like a guy who's like, I've never <laughs> smoked weed. I've done heroin all my life. Listen, go big or go home, you know? But like, listen, but like I've never, like, I mean, I'm. I'm being serious, but I'm being, I'm being silly, but I'm not like doing a. A, a bit. A bit. Whatever. Yeah. But like, the ladies, like, so like she's she's we're filming a thing obviously but she's on she's doing her act or whatever you call, I don't know how to describe it I I didn't have sex with a hooker I don't I don't know if I have to say that but she made me feel so special like even though I knew she was like doing her job yeah. and there was cameras on she gave me such eye contact such validation and approval like I know in Japan they have these like maid bars where they don't even have sex right. with you but they just and I, I, didn't, I never understood it until I experienced this is this. how terrible we are as men this, well, <laughs> no, this is why this is right I here I genuinely felt. Amazing. But that's the point. Even I though I knew that. it was all bullshit. I, I disagree, Drew. I think that we're getting through to the actual like nicer side of men that oftentimes doesn't get talked about. Because what Taylor's talking about is exactly what like rocked my world when we had that escort on Loveline. She was like a escort for decades oh, yeah. and she got out of the business. And I was like, so I mean, you got a lot of in LA, you had a pretty high she was saying that she worked all over the country and then in Los Angeles she had gotten to a place where she was really expensive clientele. So I'm like, oh, these these big show, you know, like uh, studio execs and stuff and record label guys, they probably pay you to do some crazy stuff. She's like, honestly, the overwhelming majority of my clients just wanted me to hug and pretend like I, I cared about them. And I was like, first off, that's heartbreaking. Like, I, my heart hurt for them. Yeah. Secondly, I was like, shit, that makes total sense. Yeah. Like, if I could just rent affection for 45 minutes, that would be kind of like such a nice little therapeutic tool. But, but you know? what, what I was saying was what I was sort of – quipping on about being horrible about men is that we will 
the need is so great for attention from women that women can absolutely, even when we're we know it's pretend, we're paying for the pretend. It still is validating, right? That, and that to also, me is a problem. We're that's, so that's not good about we're that. so shallow in the opposite direction that a beautiful a woman that we find attractive can literally chop our leg <laughs> off with a chainsaw. <laughs> but if she just grazes your dick, you're like, oh, it's all worth it. <laughs> worth it. Oh yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. That's that's our. That, maybe I should say more. Less, it's less what's awful about us, but what's weakest about us? Is that the right word? Or sort of more vulnerable about us? Or something? I've else? always said that. It was the even since I was a little boy, I never understood how people were like, you know, women, they they just can't be good leaders. That's why they'll never be a woman president. I was like, women are way better off as leader in leadership positions, and guys are so irrational and impulsive because we're we're we are the hunter. I mean, say what you want. Sure, yeah, there's the you know Amanda Nunes of the UFC of the world, but that's point oh oh one percent. When it comes to people that like get giddy around violence and aggression, yeah. it's men. Yeah, and that makes us way more impulsive yeah. and way less able to control our emotions. I never understood, even like I said, even since I was a little kid, I was always like, I pretty much, I'd much rather trust my money, my my like life with a woman than a dude. You know, I mean, unless I was in a foxhole. <laughs> Lucy K has this bit about this thing about being a man, like out of whatever the bit was, he wanted to buy something like a violin. I don't know, whatever. He wanted to buy something, but then he just jerked off. Then he's like, "Why did I didn't, I didn't want to do that?" <laughs> but it's such a real thing, and I'm sure that translates to being president and going, "I'm going to go war." And it's just like just jerk beat off, off and beat off and rethink it. But that's everything a, you do in your life. But no joke, that should be taught in school. Though beat off and rethink it. It's literally like a bati. That's yeah. our new. <laughs> It's amazing the thing, the choices that one has made in life, including myself yeah, or who, anyone, anyone else. If I wasn't such a compulsive masturbator, I'd have so many Lamborghinis. All right. So who, <laughs> who, right. we have Michael on the phone? Yeah. So we have Mike, Michael Abraham on the phone. Uh, Michael, you there? Yes, I am. How are hey, you doing, man. I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us. So Michael Abraham is Farah Abraham's biological father. You've seen him on the Teen Mom series. He shows up uh, free, not infrequently. And... Uh, Michael has become sort of the voice of reason, right? Yeah, that's what it seemed like sometimes. <laughs> and, 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 you, and you have um, done a, a lot of couple, sort of interpersonal work both with Farron, and I think your ex-wife too. Again, I've not seen those other things you've been on. I'm not sure the extent of what you guys have been doing in terms of therapeutically, but it seems like something important has been happening. I've noticed Farron calls you dad and treats you very differently. There's a real affection there now. Uh, I, what, I, what I want to do, I want to take a little break, and I want you to tell us the whole story, okay? Okay, this sounds okay. great. We are proud to welcome a great new sponsor, Integrity Care Card. This is a service that was started by a recovering addict who actually was a patient of Bob's at one time. Integrity Care Card. It's a refillable debit card that lets you provide financial support to someone you love without the risk of misuse. It's a great idea. That's how it works. Simply sign up. You deposit the funds onto the card, share it. Through your Integrity Care card account, you can keep track of the spending habits and receive real-time spending alerts and block purchases from places like liquor stores, casinos, ATMs. People in recovery often need help making responsible choices with their money. So the Integrity Care card is a fantastic way to offer support without denying them the independence they deserve. It's a great parenting technique. Come on now. It's better than cash. Better than gift cards, this is a true debit card that can make a real difference in someone's life. I love this idea. So if you or someone you know is supporting a loved one in recovery, 
or try to structure your financial relationship with, uh, say, a child or something, check out Integrity Care Card. Visit IntegrityCareCard.us. Click the banner on Doctor.com or call 888-216-4680, 888-216-4680, or IntegrityCareCard.us. It's a great idea. Okay, we're back. We're talking to Michael Abraham, Taylor Williamson, our guest. Mike Cathwood sitting in for Bob Forrest. And, uh, Mike, I want to give you the floor. And uh, you, you approached me after one of the reunions and said you wanted to tell more about your family and what people didn't understand. And, of course, with the way television is, there's no time to get into anything. Uh, and, but podcasting is where we can do it. So uh, I will give you the floor. Okay. Well, you know, we saw each other uh, last weekend, you know, filming the reunion. And, again, we always have uh, fast challenges. We're moving too fast. There's always things that come up. That's why I contacted you. But uh, on the uh, on the positive side, um, you know, since last October, we had an opportunity to do the uh, We TV show, uh, Marriage Boot Camp, Reality Stars, Family Edition. First time it was done. And since then, uh, speaking for myself and Fair, our relationship has really taken off in a positive way. I mean, I've always been involved with uh, Farrah's life and Sophia's life. But uh, like you mentioned, uh, yes, Farrah calls me dad and father now. So uh, uh, I think we both have, uh, you know, are focused on continued consulting, you know, excuse me, uh, you, know, you know, getting some professional help to help us communicate. And uh, that particular TV show really, I mean, we both took it seriously. And I think uh, we're starting to benefit from it. Yeah, I, I noticed it. I, I could see it. I wasn't sure where it was coming from, and uh, it's, it's good to hear. Now, you, you want to talk about – where do you want to go? Because I, I want to give you the sort of control here of how you wanted to present what is you felt. You felt you had some stuff you wanted to discuss that maybe the public didn't understand, and, and I want to yeah. give you a chance to do that. So have at it. Yeah, and I'll try to do that. I mean, you know, uh, just so you know, we start shooting another season of Teen Mom. You know, we're, we're at it again. Uh, so I don't want to give away too much, but um, you know, like last week, uh, you know, we had a couple stumbles. Uh, you know, Farrah went out and spoke with you, and uh, you know, it didn't didn't work out too well. And I don't think it was really uh, Farrah or yourself. I mean, the, the biggest challenge that we have doing re- reality TV, and I, I and I know you work with a, a lot of people in this industry, is that we have our lives. Then we are filming, and then we're six months in arrears, and these issues, most of the issues that we're you know, involved in are very, um, you know, they're negative, and they hold you down. And, uh, you know, there were you know, a couple topics, uh, Simon for one, uh, Deborah's fiance, you know, for Farah, and again, we didn't get to talk about this too much, uh, Farah's put them aside, you know, and uh, she's moving on. Uh, some people may not like that, but that's what she's doing to keep, po- you know, to keep healthy and positive for just not herself, but also Sophia, which is a big concern for all of us. So, um, uh, you know, we really didn't get to talk about that too much. Uh, and again, I, you know, appreciate your professionalism, you know, trying to work with her on that. You know, again, it, it, it's, it's television. It's, we're just trying to get information or trying to, you know, we're doing a talk show is what we're doing really. But I'm sort of using my professional instincts to sort of guide what's happening there, and and I got all that from her. And, and I, you know, I, I one thing I did question was, you know, I know Deborah's deeply hurt by that, by Sarah Farah's mom, and that I was just I was sort of questioning, wouldn't Sophia, you know, isn't it a deficit for Sophia that she doesn't get to see her grandmother, and how does she feel? I didn't really have a, I wasn't trying to guide her one way or another. I just was sort of questioning that and. 
And oh, she, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big concern, you yeah. know, uh, you know, for all of us. That you know, most people, especially through the last couple of seasons, I mean, Deborah is is being filmed a lot. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, Farrah and I and Sophia, we've been living in Austin. Uh, well, I'm on my sixth year. Farrah and Sophia, they're on their fifth year, even though they're uh, almost in L.A. right now. You know, for to, you know to have a home, and Deborah still lives in Omaha. Um, you know, they're. You know, Ferris seems to have made some decisions. I mean, uh, you know, without giving away the last two episodes of our Wii TV show, uh, she's she had to make some decisions on uh, what will be the best way to run her life and her daughter's life so they can have a real healthy uh, environment, which is something that Farrah did not have. So, so, so you, you had also mentioned to me that, that you wanted to talk a little bit about the sort of history of the Abraham family or something? Was there grandparents? Or was there something there you wanted to talk about? Sort well, of inter- inter- I, I imagine as you approached me that we yeah. were discussing the I, I mean, intergenerational I mean, transmission of trauma or something of that sort. I mean, to give you an example, and again, Deborah's not here to defend herself, but I'm not really going to, I don't hold back anymore. Um, give you an example on holding back. Uh, I've been writing a book for probably about uh, the last eight years. I've ripped it up twice because I want to protect people that I know, and uh, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, Deborah, uh, you know, we were both, you know, brought up, you know, uh, you know, we're baby boomers, uh, we're Christians. Um, you know, Deborah is a very tenacious woman, just like Farrah is. I mean, Farrah, you know, she. Uh, Got a lot of uh, personality traits just like her parents. You know, we're business-minded. But again, um, you know, there was uh, like maybe one or two reunion shows. I think you asked me, well, Michael, what happened to your marriage? And before I could get it out of my mouth, Deborah took the opportunity to say that it was infidelity. And uh, yes, there was infidelity. But um, there was a lot of toxicity. And, you know, getting back to the, you know, our Abraham family, I mean, Deborah and I, we had a very you know, toxic relationship. We were together for almost 27 years. Wow. And unfortunately, Farah and her half-sister had to live through all that. And uh, uh, hopefully Farah can break that cycle for Sophia's sake. And uh, right now, uh, currently, I don't believe that uh, Deborah's in Farah and Sophia's life. For how, those things. how did you and Deborah meet in the first place? Believe it or not, we both worked for uh, AT&T. Um, and gosh, it goes back almost Jesus thirty years, and uh, we were both uh, we both were picked to go into corporate marketing, and that's how we met and uh, had a long distance uh, relationship. She lived in Omaha, I lived in Phoenix, and uh, we were both married before, and uh, we had a long distance relationship, and uh, the rest is history. We got married and had Farah, and, and and then you guys stayed married how long? Uh, probably just about twenty-seven years. Wow! And was it a was there a good quality to the relationship at one point? Well, I, I would say yes. I mean, we were both driven, uh, just like Barry is, and we were business-minded people. But uh, as things progress, um, I mean, I mean, I basically lived Deborah's life. You know, I mean, I moved to Omaha. I passed up uh, promotions. Uh, I mean, Deborah was a good wife, but again. Uh, we never we never seeked help. I mean, uh, there was discussion about my infidelity. Uh, I mean, Deborah had her shortcomings too, 
And in, in Farrah's first book, you know, My Teenage Dream Ended, she has a chapter in her. She talks about how she wished her parents would have just got divorced. Yeah. Deborah would kick me out. She'd ask me back. You know, I'd leave. Deborah asked me back. Yeah. Um, this is like after we got divorced here about seven, seven eight years ago. Um, she tried to get back with me twice. And I, you know, we tried. And then finally, I said, this is not going to happen. What, what was your family of origin like? Um, uh, my family, I'm a uh, second generation here in the U.S. I'm half Syrian and half Italian. And, and what was that like? What were those, those, what were your parents' relationship like? Oh, my, oh, my relationship? Uh, no, my no, 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 your parents' relationship between themselves. Um, well, uh, my dad's kind of passive like I am and my mother was pretty strong. And, um, I picked up a lot of traits from my dad. You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm not putting my dad down because I love him dearly. Um, very strong um, Catholic upbringing. Was there any domestic violence in that, or domestic, you know? Uh, not, not that I uh, remember. Um, I will share something with you that uh, uh, I thought they would show on Wii, but I disclosed it for the first time to Fair that uh, I was molested at one time by a family member, and my family never knew about that, but uh, I'm public with that now. And, and that, who, who, yeah, who, that, was, who was the perpetrator in that? Uh, I, I'll just say it was a family member, okay. uh, not like an uncle or aunt. I, I, I guess I was, I was asking. I was what I was wondering was, did you have to live with that perpetrator then after that? Uh, yeah, till they till the person died. Wow. I mean, we, you know, I mean, we still That's... visited and everything, and I never told my parents. Oh, like, oh my goodness! I'm so sorry, Mike. You went through something. I did, but I certainly didn't have to interact with that person. Yeah. much. Can you after imagine that? that? No. <laughs> Yeah, and it wasn't a, a person I trusted or looked up to yeah, in any way. It makes I mean, it extra yeah. super painful. Yeah. So, my goodness, my friend, that that's pretty heavy. Was it an ongoing thing or just a one-time deal? Uh, uh, what I could remember was maybe two or three times. I was I was right around five or six years old. Oh my goodness! Did, even though it's been years and you've probably done what you 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 know whatever you could to get past it. Was it at all therapeutic and helpful to then come forward and admit it uh, at this point for the We Show? Uh, it, it was. Um, I mean, I I was honest with my uh, uh, you know my you know I go to I go to counseling and uh, probably mid last year uh, the person says you know Mike you know what you know it's past the person's dead you know you're still carrying this thing and so when we did the We TV show um, we did an exercise and they just aired this this past Friday uh, how we pick traits and how these negative traits uh, you know are, are mutually shared like between me and Deborah and then they're passed on to Farah and I took that opportunity to share that at that time with my daughter mm-hmm. and uh, she comforted me believe it or not I can see that. That makes yeah. sense. That, that may be where you guys are connected right now because she sees you more as a, you know, you're, you as a person, you know, yeah. who, has, who suffered with stuff too. How, how about Deborah's family of origin? What was that like? Um, and, and it, well, I mean, uh, they, they, they uh, you know, big on being per- perfectionists. Uh, her mother is extremely strong. Her father was strong. You know, he's, he's Danish and she was Italian. Um, uh, you, you know, no, no, no BS. They, they were drivers, and uh, uh, it seemed like I mean, I mean, they were very, very loving to me, but uh, seemed uh, very, you know, like they, you know, they, they would drive the child, you know. And, and Deborah's always been driven uh, to perfection, you know. I don't know if you ever, you know, if you see that in her, but she tries to be, you know, 
right on spot. Boom, boom, boom. And um, her, her, her father has passed away. Her mother's still alive. And siblings? Were there any uh, brothers and sisters for Deborah? Uh, yeah, uh, she had a younger brother. Had. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. He. Ha- she. I mean, she has. She yeah. has a, a younger brother. Yeah, about uh, four. I think four years uh, younger than Deborah. Is he the same way? Uh. Yeah. 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 Same way. I, I have a question, and I can only imagine it's 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 just incredibly difficult to do. But I just wonder how you can get by dealing with having a daughter who is in the spotlight and is in the spotlight taking so much negative uh, information. And then uh, you're probably exposed to so much of the criticism that is disproportionate. I mean, I yeah. understand everyone on TV deserves a little, you're yeah. a fan or not, but the things that get thrown at all those teen mom girls, especially Farah, are mm-hmm. so vicious and so brutal. How do you as a father maintain and, your sanity and, when you and, and know that me, that stuff's out and, there. and let me just add to that too and I, by the way i was with michael through a lot of this stuff he was it was painful for him to believe i me. can't imagine yeah uh, but yeah. but uh it, these girls came into their sort of public awareness as social media developed right i right. mean they were they were case you know case one two three and four for what goes on in the social media so it's funny when when michael's talking about this thing we did a week or so ago when I was talking to them about, I talked about Kathy Griffin because I was curious how they would experience that. And they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm a shit like that all the time. You just you just duck. You know, it's like you just move on. It's, you don't you don't go after it. Keep on they, trucking. They're so accustomed to it. You used to bother them. Uh, I think no, no, know. it. I mean, uh, you know, in the beginning, and, and again, Doctor Drew's seeing me cry a lot. Okay, uh, me I'm a very too. emotional pers- person. Um, you know, I feel my uh, Dr. Drew. You and I, we talked about this on set sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that I feel what my daughter feels, yeah. uh, both mentally and physically. It's a weird trait that I have. Yeah. And uh, you know, with the social media, uh, both Deborah and Farah helped coach me through it because I mean, I, you know, I'm not a big guy, but I got a little redneck in me. And I mean, uh, I mean, you can just imagine. I mean, people sending me pictures, videos. Oh. I, I, you know, I mean, it's my my only child. It's my daughter, oh. but. Um, you know, I kept, I kept my sanity. Um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, didn't get crazy. Uh, I, I, you know what, to, I, I, I try to get a few of the guys to come down here to Texas and see me face to face, you know, but, uh, that's not, you know, usually haters, are, you know, haters yeah. hide behind yeah. social media and it's going to be that way. But, uh, most of the time, if it's really bad, I just tell them I pray for them. And and, go from and there. I, I, I'm delighted to hear that, uh, Deborah was part of what got you through that. I mean, that's nice to hear that, that she was able to help you with that. Yeah, well, you know, they would, you know, they'd call me and they go, you know, you know, you know, Michael, you know, why are you debating with these people? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'd be on Facebook, you know, six hours of the day just oh. trying to change these people's minds. But, oh. You know, it's it's not worth it, worth it. They're going to be that way. Um, you know, we, we talked. You know, it's part of Boeing. I mean, I uh, currently I, I, I'm involved with some mentoring programs here in Austin, just not on a business side, but anti-Boeing programs. I got another one that I'm kicking off in Houston with a partner of mine. And um, you know what? The questions you just asked is what they ask. How do you deal with it? And again, you you basically have to put what what is important. That's your life, not theirs. You know, there there will always be haters out there. Yeah, it's we you know what we talked with you, Taylor, about the mob, you know, the the social we were talking about Kathy Griffin last time you were on about how oh, right. the mob that just attacks people. It, it it's uh, it's 
You probably don't get any of that. I get, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't get like that level, but I, for someone who tries not to be controversial, I get people writing to me just to be mean. It's so bizarre. And like I've what like you, who, what, who, what motivates somebody to go do that? Well, that's so what fascinates me. I don't get hurt by like my feelings are hurt, yeah. but I'm fascinated and sad that you will go out of your way to say mean, nasty things. Like I had a, I had like a, and then you, on Facebook, you, most of my hate it's not anonymous. Like you hide right on your keyboards, what to do? But most of my hate's on Facebook. Here's my face. Here's what I do for a living. Here's my job. Like. Still, it's still uh, such a layer back from actually interpersonal contact. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's still, it's, it's still, and who knows if that's really them even? You know what I mean? It could sure. be a fake account. But Michael, I, I want to. We're gonna kind of wrap things up. I want to make sure you get a chance to to say everything you intended to say. Is are, are we there yet, or you got more you want to say before I let you go? Well, you know, the big thing is if I could share this, you know, with your viewers. Uh, you know, our lives. We're put out there. I mean, the reason why Farah and Deborah and I did this was for education. Hey, Farah made a mistake. She got pregnant. Uh, you know, uh, you know the statistics are out there, Doctor Drew. You know, you know our our actions through the TV show hopefully have helped reduce teen pregnancy. Yep. Uh, hopefully, some of our actions now may be able to help. Uh, you know, minimize bullying on you know on the web. Uh, Farah is an entrepreneur. Uh, she is driven. Uh, I think you know that I'm very proud of her. Yes, she gives me a pain in my butt sometimes. You know, um, you know. The other thing is, is you know, uh, and you didn't ask the question. You know, why doesn't Farrah get along with the other girls? She just, you know, I think they all have kind of chewed on each other. Uh, yes, the adult video thing when it did come up it probably stirred things up. Uh, and I'm not beating up on Macy or any of them, um, but but. You know, with social media, and then when we're all written about, you know, in the trade rags and the websites, it's hard to really scale what's real. Oh, but yeah. unfortunately, we all have emotions, and um, you know, Farrah goes off on people, Amber goes off on people, blah blah blah. You know, speaking for myself, I wish those three women and all the gals on Teen Mom too, too. Also, I want them to be healthy and to prosper, and. Uh, that's you know I hope that happens for them and because uh, we're going to continue to live our life and uh, we hope they live their lives positively also. Well, I I, I kind of look forward to a time when everyone gets back together again. I kind of keep hoping for that and I, I think it'll come. Uh, but you know, in the meantime, you guys are managing and it's sort of working itself out. And uh, I I've heard similar what you just expressed uh, feelings from the other three girls individually about Farrah and your family, which like don't no ill, just they don't want to be interacting right now they just hope hope for the best but they feel like um they'll conflict if they get together and so good stay separate that's fine with me yeah it's it's not a bad strategy all right michael is there anything else any place you'd like people to go a website or anything if they have any more questions or want to interact with you at all go ahead now i mean if uh, anybody want to get in touch with me they can go to my facebook or my linkedin account my phone number's there and my email's there um i have uh, i'm an open book all right. I have a lot of people contact me, uh, good or bad, and uh, I I feel you know uh, you know I need to do that for for our viewers and people out there. Maybe maybe I can help them. All right, so, my friend. Excellent, yeah. and uh, I'll see you probably when we get together in six months or whatever the next time we get together is. Yep. Or, or, right. or if I'm in LA, I'll hunt you down. All right. Good deal. Talk to you soon. All right. Michael. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Hi. Dude. Thanks, Michael.
Is so, it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is it overwhelming for you? Because you're so caring, and you you put your make yourself available for so many people who need help. Uh, well, like every guest you have, like you, yeah, I, I, but I'm more. I'm not. I, I make it clear that I'm not your doctor. I, yeah. I have some specialized judgment on these things, and I can kind of help you figure out what's going on and then refer you. Yeah. So I end up I end up being sort of like assessment or referral kind of thing. Take a little break. Be right back. Do not go to a physician's office. Do not go to the emergency room. Do not go to urgent care because you don't have to pay for all that infrastructure, all that personnel. You don't have to expose yourself to sick people. You don't have to wait. You don't have to leave your house. That is why I'm on the Heal Advisory Board. This is the future of medicine. It is $99 all in. And if you have insurance, most insurance is just your copay. And you get a board-certified, carefully selected. These are hand-selected physicians by Renee Dua, the nephrologist that runs this program. And she selects every physician and listen. Go read the reviews. People are overjoyed by the care they get. These are high-quality professionals. And that's what you want. You want somebody who knows what they're doing, spending their time focusing on you. That's what you want. You want a well-trained professional just focusing on you. You don't want to pay for all the other personnel. You don't need it. You don't need it. Now with Heal, you just go to Heal. You get the app or you can get a physician right now. They'll be there. They're guaranteed within two hours. And again, $99 all in if you don't have insurance. And if you do, it's usually just your copay with most insurances. Heal is the future of medicine. This kind of efficiency. Forget the bureaucrat. Forget the bureaucracy. Forget pre-clearance. Forget everything. Just go get the app. Heal.com is where you get the app. Get Heal before you need it. All right, we're back. Uh, Bob Forrest joins us from an, from an aircraft, Bob. <laughs> Explain this to us. I am in the air. I'm in the air over, where are we? Grand, Great Bend, Indiana. Wow. And you're going to go see a Penguins game? Yeah, going to see if they can win the Stanley Cup tonight. Well, congratulations. In, in Nashville? Good time. I'm going to Nashville right now. Yeah, the game's in a couple hours. Hell yeah. Look at Bob Jet Setter. I know, right? It's pretty cool. Hockey. I'm thinking, <laughs> of, I'm thinking of Anderson back home at the old. <laughs> oh, man, poor Anderson. I was with him. Oh, he probably is the most jealous man on earth right now. This is our <laughs> former engineer from Loveline. Huge, uh, huge Penguins fan. Yeah, ridiculous. Anderson's a huge Penguins fan. Um, so... Uh, we're going to get into a little Chris Cornell here with Bob. You think? Um, yeah, Bob. Any? Any? We yeah, want, we want to come. It's about time to talk about it. I yeah. did talk about it a couple days after. It didn't seem to make any sense what you were hearing. Right but now, yeah. it all kind of comes together as a puzzle. How do you understand it? I understand that you do crazy things when you mix a bunch of drugs together. That's crazy, right. illogical unreasonable things that you wouldn't normally do in, in your right mind. Espe- That's when, what happened. When you're, especially when you're a drug addict. I mean, again, Tiger Woods was... Well, Ativan in, in particular, Ativan in particular makes you do crazy stuff. Remember, I think Patrick Kennedy tried to go vote on Congress at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's right. That's exactly. You know, but who amongst us hasn't tried that at least once? Crazy thing. Yeah, and in, in some people who huh? are in, in some people who are prone to depression, it can cause acute depressive symptoms too. Acute. Yeah, and you can do a sudden, sudden and dramatic, silly, dumb, terrible, ugly things as a result of benzodiazepine, a drug that America thinks is harmless. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And how many times? How long have I been preaching about that? I mean, is that the take you have? You. 
hundred percent. You and I haven't really talked about it too much. That's what it was. And people think, oh, that can't be what it was. I said, you ever take in four, you know, Ativan or Xanax and, and, and drinking a couple of beers, you're wasted. You do crazy things. Yeah. But I, I always, I did not know. Not that I would know from personal experience. <laughs> right? uh, uh, Bob, it's Mike Catherwood. I never, I did not know Chris Cornell personally, but I did know him uh, through the connection of recovery. And from what I knew, for quite some time, he was pretty squared away. Um, did you, can, I mean, obviously we don't want to speculate too much. Solid. Yeah, solid. Like you said, I mean, he was, he was solid, known. Solid, solid, And helping out with the rock, care, uh, you know, music cares community. I mean, he was he was there. He was in it. I, obviously, I don't want to speculate too much on a, on a man who's passed, but what would I mean? He seems like the type of guy who would know better. And I don't want to talk oh, poorly. But, oh, but I've been telling Bob, I'll let Bob speak for himself. But I've been saying forever when a doctor says to you, "You need to take this man," yeah. and you're a drug addict, your brain goes, "Oh yeah, I need to talk. To, I need to take that. I need to listen to this guy," right? Yeah, immediately when I, when I started putting the whole puzzle together as more stuff came in, it reminded me of, of AM because DJ AM had good reason to be taking all these drugs he was taking. He was in a plane, horrible plane crash and he had PTSD and all this kind of stuff. So you, you, you as a sober addict walk into a psychiatrist's office, you're playing Russian roulette. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. It's funny, uh, Bob. Uh, absolutely, to beware the medical system if you're a sober a sober addict because it is can threaten your life. Well, you don't have that luxury. Then here's a, here's how I explained to my friends and a bunch of my friends that I've been talking about because Chris was such a part of our sober community at Music Cares, and he was Man of the Year in 2007 at a nonprofit that I'm on the board of, and and. He's just a solid dude. And then to have this happen inside your solid dude world, it's earth-shattering to everyone. And I'm the one saying, we don't have the luxury to go into doctor's offices and listen to them. We gave up that luxury in the 1980s. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And AM is, again, the exact example of that, that he was listening even when the sober community was saying, dude, there's, there's a problem here. I did Tom Arnold's podcast. Uh, and he is coming public about his severe benzodiazepine addiction that came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And finally, some people intervened and, and pulled him aside and said, "Dude, you got to go and get get off this." Please tell me you're Schwarzenegger that intervened. No, <laughs> Damn! Uh, ah, but, you have to stop, but Tom. <laughs> Tom Arnold is another guy who knows for sure knows, knows better. Yeah. He's almost died twice because of doctors and opiates. Well, the one that the, what about the one I go? I'll go back to Drew is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. It's the same story repeatedly of people that are sober many, many years, sometimes decades, and they go into a doctor's office and everybody thinks benzos are harmless, and the next thing you know, chaos ensues. Well, benzos and then the psychostimulants. That, that's going to be our th- first it's the opiates, then it's the benzos, and then it's the stimulants like Adderall. And th- those are the three. That's the triumvirate. Well, you have to be able to focus, Drew. Come on. <laughs> you don't want people to be... Be all scatterbrained, do you? <laughs> and, and, and we just don't understand. My my profession doesn't understand this disease. They don't understand when an addict comes back and goes, "Oh my God, you're the best doctor ever. I haven't felt this good in a long time." I haven't. And it, it, you you might as well have given them methamphetamine because that's the reaction you're getting. Well, if you insist, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. They'd be even happier. Yeah. Be, 
So I don't know what we do about this, Bob. What about that old Dow Chemical? Was it Drew? Was it Dow Chemical in the '60s that came up with the slogan "Better Living Through Chemistry"? I think it was Monsanto. Was it I think it might have been Monsanto. Amer- I think it was Marilyn America Manson. Is, <laughs> America is. We are now an example of a society that believes in that in that slogan, "Better Living Through Chemistry." chemicals that everybody has to take every day in order to be normal. And and not only that, we we and, we have this very strange situation now where people love pills and hate drug companies. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's like, hey, if you want to hate something, hate the pills. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you start there? And then then bring in the drug companies. Why is this a debate? Why is this an issue that's not across the board? Like you're the only doctor I hear speaking out. Uh, so listen, hard I've been this. talking about the opiates for 15 years, and now now you're starting to hear it. It takes a long time for a consensus to develop. It's crazy. I also think, and I was thinking about this the other night, totally unrelated to this conversation. It's going to end up being like AIDS, where there was a handful of doctors in 1986 that had patients die in their hands because they were AIDS. They were infected with AIDS. Um, so it took a decade for all the doctors in America to have that experience to, yeah. for everyone to go, That's okay, right. what's, what is this? That's right. And, you know, Dr. Drew and, you know, I'm certain, certain addiction medicine specialists have probably been watching the disease yep. destroy people for years. Yep. And eventually when every single small town USA has that experience, it's just going to come to the conclusion that, you know. And then, then, then the professional standards are going to change and the training of new physicians is going to change. It just takes forever. I, I remember I was on Anderson Cooper. They, he did a special on opiates about two or three months ago. Maybe, well, maybe it's six months ago now. And, uh, oh, lost Bob, but that's okay. He's on an aircraft somewhere. Uh, and... This woman came on. She goes, I'm an ER doctor. And she went on to chronicle how terrible it is. She goes, but for years, I thought that was the right thing to do. I go, you're sitting there telling me that you've hey, killed. Hey, can you yeah, we got you back. Yeah. got you back. But she's sitting there saying, I have killed people. She doesn't understand even what she's saying when she says, oh, I, I used to do that. I used to believe that was the right thing to do. That's saying, I, I used to I used to fire weapons into into, <laughs> into playgrounds or yeah. whatever. It's like, no, no. You, My you, grandpa you, used to shoot guns in the air to celebrate New Year's yeah, Eve. Right. Because <laughs> right. I make I, it okay. I can't believe you're saying that. You say it was such like, oh, well, once we thought this was the way to go. It's like, no, you should be like contrite. You should be like mortified. You should be like trying to get the word out. I mean, oh my God. They should be apologizing to people like me and drug addicts who suffered on the hands of it. Apologizing on your knees. God. But I, I do think that there is a legitimate gripe to say like I, I i was being altruistic i thought purely medically sound this was sound uh, it was what the, it, listen yeah. they thought but the point is they vilified me they diminished right. addicts and it was like hey man this is the pain is what the patient says it is man and it's the fifth vital sign it's as important as your pulse or your blood pressure and until you get it squared you're you're abusing the patient remember it's, that bob what we're doing right now with with that, uh, can I? Yeah, you know, the pain scale is something that has always fascinated me. So, I broke my back in the 80s, and I'm old, and I didn't plan on living this long. So, <laughs> I, I'm honestly, on a good on a, on a good day, I'm a five, <laughs> on a bad day, I'm a seven. I don't need to go to some doctor and give me something, that's just the way the cards played out well i i know and, from and self-medicating know, you just seem like a nazi when you say things like that you get this comparison your pain isn't the same as my pain no you have no idea what it's like for me on a cold morning to even get up and get going yeah but to, the alternative to take opiates to kill my life and kill my soul and kill my mind and kill my spirit ask that yeah well and yep. i i also yep. think like there's just no possibility that it's gonna get better 
No, it's I getting mean, better. Uh, it's no, getting no, no, better. No, 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 no. An opiate based. <laughs> let's say, let's say you 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 got a bum knee because you fell yeah. off a ladder. Yeah. Taking morphine or taking oh. Percocet for years that doesn't that's not going to help your situation. No, that's There's the just point. No possibility. Th- that's, that's the point. It's going to make it worse. Yeah. And you're going to kill the soul and everything else in the meantime. So it's it's not that we're withholding medicine that could help people. We're saying, I know it feels good right now. I know your brain thinks it's the right thing. It's what's causing all this problem. Yeah. And I know you can't see it because you're in it. We have to get you off so you can resume functioning again, so you can resume uh, humanity. I was not alive because I'm not old like you and Dr. Juba. But I was not alive in the 70s and late 60s. But, you know, when I watch Easy Rider or something – you get the sense that what we're dealing with with pills now is exactly what we were dealing with with like shrooms and, and hallucinogens and weed in the 60s in that everyone's like, you kids are throwing your life away with that. And then the dad says that as he washes back his thoughts and his feelings with whiskey. It's like, eh, well, I, I, the, the pharmaceutical companies are, are they're destroying America and who needs a – who needs to drink and use drugs to keep their life together? Let me go take my pill because I have pain in my I have fibromyalgia. Yeah, yeah, my doctor says I need this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's like there's it's just we're shifting the 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 goalposts, but it's the weird. same game. It's very strange. There's a reason for that, though, and and there are only really truly a couple of of what I believe to be you know just severely. Uh, money-oriented pharmacy, uh, big pharmas, and yet the other ones who are doing good, who are changing people's lives and bringing about Harvoni that's going to save 3 million people's lives, they don't distance themselves from other drug companies that are truly just remarketing and repackaging benzos and opiates with no research and development. They just, they just keep pumping it out. There's one in particular called Purdue Laboratory. They're the ones that created Oxycontin. Drew, is Oxycontin really much different than the drugs that existed before it? Uh, for cancer patients, they were a significant step forward, yeah. Yeah, it really was. It was quite a bit different, in fact. Yeah, but for cancer patients. Used it. it was used in the pain management clinics for millions of Americans. Well, that's different. Right. That I can't, how, how the whole, where it went I, is uh, insane. If you have esophageal cancer and you got about six months of horror to live with, that's right. go ahead and give the guy or that's gal right. all the per, Percocet and Oxycontin, Oxycontin they want. If you uh, have arthritis, stay away from the yeah. opiate-based painkillers. You know, That's like right. those were designed for guys in World War One who <laughs> took a bayonet to their thigh. It's not exactly something you should just be flippantly putting in your body. All right, Bob, we're going to let you go enjoy the uh, penguins. It's going to change. It's going to change, but Chris will be missed for a long time to come. I don't- I think this is one death that's going to reverberate in the sober community for a long time. Uh, also, he but again, in terms of we're, we're discussing him again because the uh, toxicology came out, and they did, in fact, find about four milligrams of Ativan. They also found furanol in his system, uh, which is a headache medicine that you would never get for a drug addict. You don't even use it anymore, frankly. But the fact that somebody gave him furanol, again, just infuriates me. Just more evidence of, you know, 
somebody giving him something he, they had no business being exposed to. So it just makes me sad for Chris. And I hope people get the real message of what went, went really on here. Sad. So, all right, man. Have a nice time at the uh, game. Go Penguins. Right, Later, dude. Bye, Bob. You're awesome, man. Go Penguins. Everyone here is a Nashville fan. My sons are because he went to Vanderbilt. He's big in the Predators. But let's take a little break. Come back with some calls. Now, one of the most amazing parts of working in treatment is seeing a number of former patients successfully move on and choose to become mental health professionals themselves. Yes, I've seen it. And the field of psychology is vast. And the need for competent practitioners has not been greater and never been greater. If you're considering this rewarding career, I suggest you look at the California School of Professional Psychology at Alliant University. I've been familiar with Alliant for some time now. I've spoken at their events. It was founded in 1969, boasts an alumni network of nearly 50,000 people worldwide. Alliant has fostered many of today's mental health pioneers, authors, and advocates. CSPP at Alliant University hosts both on-ground and online programs in business psychology, marriage and family therapy, clinical counseling. They also offer an APA-accredited doctoral program in clinical psychology that allows for specialization in child psychology, clinical forensic psychology, and integrated psychology. Faculty is industry leaders. Former faculty includes names like Abraham Maslow, Carl Rogers, Viktor Frankl. Come on now. Those are names everyone's heard, some of the fathers of modern psychology. For more information on the California School of Professional Psychology at Alliant, check the Alliant banner on my site or visit Alliant, A-L-L-I-A-N-T, dot E-D-U. That is Alliant, dot E-D-U. Hi, Kimberly. Hey, I, you know, Dr. Drew, I've been watching you since back on VH1, and when I saw, um, when I have seen you on CNN, and when I saw this, um, I, have a, I have a huge problem, and I'm hoping you can point me in the right direction. All right, let's get into it. Um, What's going on? I've been in a 10-year cycle with my husband, who started taking my pills right after I had my first heart attack and was stealing all my pain meds, and he's been in rehab and rehab and rehab, and then it went to... I kicked him out, and it went to him getting into a hotel and banging meth. And he got clean, and we just moved to Florida because my mom was put in a nursing home and everything. And um, I didn't know he was using I thought because my pills weren't missing. I thought everything was good. Then come March, he passes out, and um, I call 911. They come and get him. And he comes home and said it's something with his kidneys because of his diabetes. And then... April, he just falls out right in front of me, and I'm doing CPR. And I mean, I have all these issues. I shouldn't. I'm not even to lift more than 10 pounds, but here I'm pulling the grown man out of a corner and doing CPR for 10, 15 minutes. They had to narc him on twice, and it was heroin. And so during all this, I did what you're supposed to do in Florida. I went to court to file a Marchman Act, and they approved the first petition within three hours. What What is the Marchman Act? What What is that in Florida? The Marchman Act. The Marchman Act is when you're gonna someone has a drug problem and you're, you, the first part is to um, hold them into a rehab situation um, and put them in the detox and then they will go ahead and you meet, you see the judge. So it's pretty much like a court-ordered rehab type of deal. Right, great. So we had, we, I had to go twice to do the first and second part of Marchman. And then I had, when we went to court, he conveniently went from rehab into the hospital because his passing was high. And I was like, well, how many bananas did he eat? So then the day before Mother's Day, he comes home. They send him home because there's, you know, we still have to go to court for Marchman. So that Wednesday, we went to court. 
and the court ordered the judge ordered court ordered long term treatment. Cool. But he's a, he, he's a vet, and um, so instead of putting him under this marching act where he would have to do like drug court and color code and all that stuff, they didn't want to do that. They were just handed him over to the VA, and we'll let the VA go ahead and handle this. Oh boy. Well, um, so like I mean, he's given. I've had to have the cops out here. He gave my car away for for drugs and then my car comes back with all the stolen stuff from JC Penney oh with the ink tag still on it. My car smells like weed, you know, and then um so I did have the police come out and try to find my car. And then um all of us my my family was away for the week and a week ago, Thursday, he got paid on the first. And he from Mother's Day until then he was fine. Then come Wednesday evening, he's starting to do that nod. You know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. the, uh, the heck. And then Thursday, we couldn't wait. We happened again. And, and Friday happened again. And even my 20-year-old son, who's a huge boy, we couldn't get him to wake up. So we called 911. They came out here with the police because they have to, you know, go ahead and, um, you know, make a, since he's on the March Act, make a report. But he refused treatment. So they wouldn't do anything. And when I said to the police, well, what about this marching act? He's not supposed to be doing drugs. And, you know, well, we it's not illegal to be high in your house. That's what I was told. We can't arrest them because it's not illegal to be stoned. It's illegal to possess. It, right. It's illegal, like, illegal oh to use. It's not illegal to be under the influence if you're not doing anything. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So then they came out three more times, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Jesus. it was so bad that he had fallen over. And you know, hit his head. We have all tile. And okay, and all right. So was, I'm, I'm going to stop you because I mean, it just it's mm-hmm. more of the same, right? And, and so, yeah. Mike, you tell me if you agree with me on this. I mean, okay. this is you know, hardcore, hardcore polydrug, primary opiate addiction mm-hmm. with criminality, full, fully blossomed, right? right. And, and yeah, so, and I told the police he's going to die, or I'm going to die from stress. And, well, and when he, they he left gonna, on Sunday, yeah. They said, you know, just call us if you have a problem. So four o'clock in the morning into Monday, he I I hear screaming and he and he fell passed out. So finally I got because um, Saturday night he had broken all the stuff and was walking around getting you know he didn't even know he was bleeding. When I woke up Sunday morning, it looked like the Mansons had been here because of all the blood and everything. And the cops came out because he put his hands on me and they still didn't take him. So then I call. So when. Finally, when he was so bad and I had, he, we couldn't wake him up, I called 911 again, and they took him at like 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday. Now it's so bad that he's having seizures. And there were opiates and benzos and all this stuff in his system, and he's so far gone that I didn't do anything wrong. I, didn't, I mean, I've had to, I'm, I'm going to be on pain medication for the rest of my life. They put me, the one thing they did for me is they put me on Embedda. I don't know if you know what that is. Everyone here doesn't know what it is, but it's literally 24-hour morphine in like a dexatrin type of capsule. But as soon as you either bust up the capsules or add water to it, it has something like Suboxone that nullifies the meds. Right. You can't OD right. on it. It's like, it's like a deterrent but, thing. But, it, but it, listen, it's yeah. all, all bad. I, I, your stuff, I, I, you know, you, I know you've had heart attacks and strokes and whatnot, and, and you're dealing with a lot. You've called about him. Uh, he yeah. is, you know, virtually dead from his condition. It's sort of remarkable he's not. Yeah. I think, yeah, and he's 51. Hang on. And he's 51, I think all so. you can do, there's sort of three options as I see it, and some combination mm-hmm. of these three. You tell me, Mike, if you agree. 
One is you need to extract yourself from this situation. Right. Period. Yeah. yeah. You need to take care of yourself. You need to live through this. You need to extract yourself. And whatever that means, get out of there. Number one. Number two, uh, if he is, if you see him doing criminal actions, you can have him arrested. And I would do so to save his life. Number three, if he's of any sort of, or these doctors that have him at the hospital, he is a candidate, I am humbly, for replacement therapy, something like methadone or suboxone, something that, that will never make him fully recovered, but will save his life. Prevent and, him from being this guy. Yeah, prevent from being this guy, exactly. And I would talk to his exactly. doctors about either methadone or suboxone, it's suboxone preferable, uh, but he may have already failed that. I don't know. He may have been. I, my guess is a guy like this already been on that a few times and, and failed it. But yeah, but, and they were going to do an injunction to keep him in the hospital, where he would have to either go to rehab, psych, or jail. And the main hospitalist wouldn't sign off on it. So I'm why going not? Because he's home now. Because he, oh. he said he's not. He's not getting in between marital issues. He's oh. Not so, and then I try to say, well, he can't come home. And the police are like, he lives there. He can come home. So, yeah, you know, you um, need to not live there anymore. Yeah, bottom line. I know. He's so going to, he's, listen. Tomorrow. I will not be shocked if we talk to you in a couple of weeks, you know, somewhere down the road, you give us an update via email when you say he's dead. But it's uh, really not that far from it that you're going to end up dead. He's going to be in a fugue state. Right. I've had sex with people and gone on dates where I didn't remember. And I woke up and I'm not anywhere as far gone as this guy. And it would not be at all that crazy that he chokes you out or he turns you into the real Manson family situation in the middle of the day, and he has no idea what he's doing. He's going to wake up and go, I don't know, That's I didn't what, do it. That I mean, I, I, he's sleeping on the couch. I lock my door at night in the good, bedroom. Good, good, I mean, good. And I'm, I won't get in a car with him because he's, he's, he's suicidal. You know, he's tried to kill himself like 15 times in the past four years. But what I'm going to try to do tomorrow, which is the only thing that they said the last hope is to go down to the courthouse and get an injunction. And if, it's, if the judge approves that, as soon as he signs it, um, the sheriff will be here and they will they will take him Good. either to rehab. Good. Or if that doesn't work out, like, if that doesn't work out, then we're gonna we're gonna ha- you got to get out of there. Period. End. That's it. Those are your, right now your priorities. Even if it does, I don't know if she should be. I mean, like, yeah. find a temporary, one of those pay-by-the-month motels or something. something. Just get or, out or, of women, Our women's shelter for domestic yeah. violence. They're always around like that. I mean, really. That's gotta, a ticking time bomb. He went to an extended stay when we were living still in Missouri. We just moved to Florida to take care of my mom. But we were in Branson, and I finally had enough, and he wasn't on a lease, so I kicked him out. And he went into extended stay, and that's when he started banging. And I mean, it it was horrible. He All right, Kimberly, yeah, we, we get it. We get it. Uh, listen, we we go. We got the picture. Believe me, it's a horror story from top to big, to bottom. Uh, you got to take care of yourself. That's all you can take care of now. Do do go good on you getting that injunction, but beyond that, Kimberly has to take care of Kimberly. That includes getting out of there, being safe, and dealing with your own opiate stuff. Thanks, Kimberly. I, I, that's all we can say right now. I appreciate you emailing us, and please do give us an update on how that goes down. Uh, this disease is so messed up. You if don't she, say. If she had like a great singing voice, that'd be a great like backstory for America's Got Talent. Like they love that. Oh, she'd of, win. They love that the story. They would certainly tell the story, wouldn't they? Yeah. But uh, she I, couldn't win an ESPY though. Was that? Why is that? Like, why is that? It's a very very limited amount of people that got that. Yeah, that's an inside joke I'd get. Women will take from men. It's amazing what they'll live with, how long they'll stay with it, and they'll just continue to yes. be supportive yes. of that. Yes, it's remarkable, isn't it? 
I mean, certain. What, what guys, Susan's saying is she would never put uh, up with anything from me. Let alone heroin. I better. I like, probably would though because she's like a battered woman. I would yes, stay right. and I, because I'm the kind of person. But she just, and maybe because she was sick, she just feels like she's afraid to be alone. But yes, it's just yes. amazing that she put up with that abuse. Yeah, it's terrible. I it's so it's so easy to uh, say how does she stay with that guy. Until you're in a similar situation, right. like you, That's it's right. just it's like That's I exactly always, right. I always sit next to fat piles of shit watching UFC or boxing matches, and they're like, "Get up, pussy!" Yeah. And they're like, oh, he how could he be tired? Just go!" And I'm like, <laughs> "You have no idea what you're talking about." You have, <laughs> right. and until you walk, it's those the shoes. same thing to watch like a battered woman and say, "Well, how did she stay?" Yeah. I, until you've been faced with something that, like a love that's so so, um, kind of unbreakable that even intense trauma and sometimes yeah. it makes it even harder like the trauma like connects people, you people more get bound yeah. to the trauma that's right it's exactly right and they don't know anything different they don't know anything different and they're reenacting old traumas reenacting new traumas and they're feeling responsible and they're they're in you know when you're in you're in it's hard to extract yourself from it given what we were talking about with bob and yeah. i do not want to talk down or poor i'm th- i do not mean this as an insult yeah. in any way i'm asking you as a doctor yeah. g- genuinely curious yeah. given what we were talking about with bob why does a lady who has a heart attack why is she going to be on pain medication her whole life? When she said that, I was like, why? She's well, had some other stuff she wrote about in the email, some strokes and things like that. But even then, it's only going to make things worse. Right. Like I, only When she said that, I didn't want to interrupt because obviously her story was very intense. I, I, yeah, but, I don't want to get into her stuff until she can extract herself from their stuff. You know what I mean? But I, and, I mean, and her, her stuff, why did she have a heart attack at 40? Hmm. I, guess what? I'm, I'm thinking there may be something going on there. So, yeah. Right? Whatever, that, could whatever, gen- that could be genetic, though, right? Could be, but whenever anybody has a heart attack, forty or under, really, under thirty, I, I think substances. Yeah. Just, you know. They're but not, anyway, not she, Jewish. Definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adam has this thing. Definitely not a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Well, how dare you? Once again, are you racist. I'm, I'm, I let this, I'm, I'm, let this racist in our house. I'm Jewish. That, that doesn't make it okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't you learn that when you tried to talk at colleges? I, I dated a black girl. I feel like I can say something about Jewish people. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for this show. Yes, everybody? We're good? Everybody? I'm, it's been intense. A lot of, a lot of territory coming Yeah, today. sorry. This was the intense show. That's all right. It's all good. But go to... This Life Podcast on Twitter or drdrew.com. Find all the most recent podcasts that Drew has to offer and more. Hopefully, we're going to you know, be getting another one with uh, Mike Catherwood called Ooh. You Live. Oh, you Live Pod. You live pod. Well, that's coming. Mike well, we need the intro. We need the legitimate. I told her that. Yeah. That's what I said, uh, too. I'm sure we'll figure it right, out. We'll get that. Yes, bitch. Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon, the You Live Podcast. Uh, and then uh, remember the integrity. Uh, Card. Card. Care card, integrity care card. It's a great product, man. I know it's a good idea. Taylor, thank you for hanging out with us again. We appreciate it. Thanks for letting me hang out. You guys have crazy. Do we traumatize you? No, I just uh, I uh, I feel like my problems are very different. There you go. You must feel much much better. (laughs) Different, not 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 as important as other people. Different other people. At Taylor Comedy on uh, all social media outlets, and remember, you can see him at the Mustang Ranch (laughs) twice a year. (laughs) No strip clubs. No strip clubs. Perusing hookers, but but won't go to strip clubs. Just brothels. I they they uh they said they've never had an STD, and I I, I pushed it a little bit, and I, they're like no, since 1978, no STDs. Well, like, I I bet that's true as on, far man. as as far as stuff that the customers go home with, because I'm sure they mandate condoms. Yeah, but there's like so many things you can get without condoms. Not really stuff that their customers would know they got from there, though. Right. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't know till six <laughs> months later. I understand not why. That how, man, how do the customers not affect the girls? Is the weird part. Condoms. 
Yeah, but they could have like uh, a little uh, like molluscum contagiosum, you know? A little something, something. <laughs> that's, not, that's not that's not. I'm, ta- I'm sure I'm there's girls that, that uh, Taylor knows what molluscum. I'm is. sure girls <laughs> get educated. I'm sure girls get like the flu all the time, like a preschool yeah. teacher. I'm sure they're getting sick, but I, I buy it that they don't have STDs because I'm sure. Sh- I bet you that sure. place is like extreme mandatory. Yeah. You wear a condom, or we will kick you the f out. Yep. They, I've heard that it's like an oral stuff they use condoms. That's they the do oral sex. Them, yeah. Oh, that that's that makes sense. That's how I was thinking about that. How do they avoid that? that, that they that. do that at the Bunny Ranch. I only know that from the reality show where the girls are talking about they have to blow them with a condom on. I, I would be. But, like, but I, I don't. Are the guys allowed to do oral? What sex? guy buys a hooker and goes down? I'm, <laughs> there's a menu. I'll send you a screenshot of the menu they get. There's no. Oh, there's please. no prices. I say no. It's expensive. I saw. You know that they have one in Pompeii. Pompeii, Italy. Oh yeah, yeah. It was so well preserved by the ash of Mount Titan, of Mount Vesuvius. It's there's the a, there's brothels and there's just the like wall. pictures of. It's yeah. like, do you want the bent over? Do yeah. you want the oral? Yeah. And it's like pictures of people. Uh, you, point, you point on the position. Yeah. Yeah. it's pretty yeah. rad, actually. Well, you'll hear more of this on You Live podcast. All right, yes, indeed. So that's a little taste of what's to come. Thank you all <laughs> for being If you're alive, here. you will live. All right, on this and uh, we'll see you next time.
Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da